Hello, 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 and welcome to InFlight Threshold's best and only podcast. I'm your host, Sol Vashes. And I'm your co-host, Magnus Lorvik. And this week, we will be looking at the week's news, discussing consumer product transformation, and interviewing Threshold CEO and ex-Enviro developer, Magnus Lorvik. But first, how was your week, Magnus? It was pretty fun, actually. I went to a show with uh, Michael McIntyre here in Oslo and um, on Thursday, and uh, love that guy. He's so energetic and um, has such a presence on the stage. Um, yeah, you can't compare it to anyone else that I've uh, seen live. Um, so, yeah, that was cool. Other than that, for me, it's uh, it's usually just work 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 uh my day job and uh when i get home it's uh it's threshold so um, not a lot to talk about for me other than michael mcintyre very busy week i personally was uh it was thanksgiving week here in the united states and i have had the week off from school which has been really really refreshing it's been complete complete just buckling down i've i've spoken about this before how you it just doesn't stop you're you're working all the time and it was really really nice to have that break this week and also to see family as well uh for those of you who are not in the united states um and may not know what thanksgiving is thanksgiving is uh it's a holiday in which you celebrate thanks and you usually sit down with your family members and you have a meal on thanksgiving it's traditionally turkey uh, but I did not partake, as you all know, I am a vegetarian. So uh, it was very nice to see family. Uh, I also got to see, uh, I went to a Broadway show. I saw Come From Away, uh, which is which was really, really good. It is a show about um, Gander, which is um, all the way up north in Canada. And uh Gander is a pretty primary aviation space, and it used to be used for refueling and such in World War II, just like, uh, just like Anchorage, Alaska used to be. But it since has fallen out of that. And but but on nine eleven, um, when all the planes had nowhere to go because the U.S. airspace was closed, uh, Gander and a bunch of other Canadian airports were used by the airplanes that had passed the point of no return over wherever they were going, whether it was the Pacific or Atlantic and come from away kind of focuses on Gander specifically because uh, Gander has historically been one of the nicest, one of the nicer places for people to stay. There's a lot of people who still have memories of that. And uh, that's what the whole show was about. It was basically first person accounts of what actually happened. It was, it was actors acting out stories that had been said and it was really, really good. They, they had uh, musicians that came on stage and who were playing for everybody. uh, And it was traditional. I think it was Irish music specifically uh, that they were playing. Yeah, it was really great. And each character, each person who was on stage played, I think like six characters, which was, really impressive to see them like really quickly take t- something out of their pocket and like put a like a hat on their head or like put glasses on their eyes and and just be multiple characters it was it was really great um wow. i highly recommend if you're ever in new york going to check it out yeah it sounds really interesting wow yeah it was i was really really surprised um 
after seeing a bunch of other Broadway shows, I sometimes you go into these things not expecting a ton because you're like, oh, it's probably really similar to this other show that I've seen. Um, but it was really, really different and really, really heartwarming and personal. Yeah, and um, you, you wouldn't know what to expect when you come to a show like that. The, the, the theme is so off from everything. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm really happy I saw it. And if you're ever in New York and you have the means to go see your Broadway show, I highly recommend it. I hope you all had a great week. It's great to talk to you again. No food interludes for me this week. Uh, I think Thanksgiving kind of speaks for itself. Now we're going to go into the news with Luke. Hey, Luke, tell us about the news. Thanks, Sol. Kicking off this busy week of news is V-Flight Air Simulations, who've released their Cessna 150. The aircraft was only announced a week before the release, and it features PBR effects, super high-res textures, and way too many other features to list here. Buy it now for $28.95 from the V-Flight Air Simulations website. Next, we have more trees. Not team trees, but Vertical Sim Studios' V-Trees. Joining the tree lineup for X-Plane, the product replaces X-Plane's default tree textures with high-definition, realistic trees and forests for an entire X-Plane world. If you're in the market to enhance your X-Plane trees, head over to the Vertical Sim Studios' website and download it for free. Breaking the chain of releases is SimCoders, who have updated their popular reality expansion packs. I would list the full feature list, but I know you don't want to listen to me all day, so in short, all packs got an update fixing things and adding things. Read all about it on the editorial. Another update, this time from SSG. After the rather controversial launch of their 747-8 version 2, they have released a service pack for it this week. The update is free for all owners of the product and addresses some of the main complaints from customers, mainly large system updates but also some small additions like new liveries among others. The Colomata Concorde has left early access. The update, dubbed as version 1.1, takes the aircraft out of early access and makes it a full release. Since early access, the Concorde has seen many additions like the implementation of autopilot and most notably the ability to start the aircraft from a cold and dark state without the use of an electronic engineer. Also included with the aircraft is a 89-page quick start guide if you're into reading aircraft documentation. Big news from Big Tire Productions who have released their Kit Fox Model 5. The aircraft is as customizable as your new car. You can change everything you want about your aircraft with customizable landing gear, wings, engine and avionics. You can pick up the Kit Fox Model 5 for $32.95 from the explain.org store now. Rounding off this week is FlyX Simulations, who have released their Rovaniumi Rebooted. The release of their updated Rovaniumi for X-Plane features winter mode, a terminal interior, and ultra-resolution PBR textures, among others. You can purchase FlyX Simulations' latest product from the explain.org store now for $17.99. If you want to find out more details on any of today's news, you can find them on the Threshold editorial, which can be found at thresholdx.net. That is T-H-R-E-S-H-O-L-D-X.net, along with other great Explain news. Back to you, Saul. So this week, we're going to talk a little bit about consumer product transformation. And let me break down a little bit what I mean when I say consumer product transformation. So this is the idea that a product, when it was 
created did not meet the needs and expectations of people who had bought it at that point. We spoke a little bit a few weeks ago about the SSG. Uh, it was actually episode one about how SSG had promised so many things for their product. And then people felt as if they had generated a sense of false hype, as if they had brought things onto the table that they couldn't realistically do, but wanted to generate hype for the product. So they did it anyway. Um, but this week, SSG and the Kalimata Concord, who in some ways was a subject of this consumer expectation as well, uh, they were both updated. I can't necessarily speak a lot about the SSG, but I can speak about the Concord. So we're going to focus a little bit more on that and about a developer's perspective on this, since we have Magnus here who can talk to us about X and Virus. So basically, Concord has changed a lot since version one. I was, I bought the product immediately as a beta tester. Uh, I, I bought it immediately as it was introduced as a beta program. If I haven't said it on the show, I don't think I have. I am a huge, huge Concord fanatic. I love the plane. I think it is incredibly interesting and every little thing about it is just fun to learn about. Like the fact that it has trim tanks because it needs to balance out its weight during flight. Otherwise its center of balance is going to be off is just so cool to me. I wasn't disappointed in, in the very first beta version. Personally, I understood that Kalimata Concord was a product that would change over time and that it would become something that I would be really, really engaged in. And it would be something that was really close to what Concord actually was, because you can very clearly see that Florian is very into the Concord like I am. He He's really, really dedicated to it and he loves the plane as well. And when you have a love for a product and a love for uh, making something, then it's just gonna get better over time because you have that love and dedication that you want to put into it. If you don't love your job, you're not going to do the best at your job. And if you do love your job, then you are going to do the best. Uh, so I knew that it wasn't going to be incredible, but other people who purchased the product in the beginning didn't quite seem to understand that this it was very much a beta product. So the Kalimata Concord got a very similar thing that SSG did, where it got a lot of criticism in the beginning for not being the Concord quite simply. Over time, it has developed a ton. When it first was introduced, it had very, very minor autopilot. You couldn't do a mock hold, you couldn't do a speed hold, you couldn't set an altitude, you kind of just had to like, blindly do it when you were flying it. So you you had to be there the entire time. And it was also missing a few other features like the engineering panel didn't exist, and you could not start up the airplane yourself. But since then, I have flown it this weekend since it was first introduced. I haven't really touched it a bunch since version one of the beta. It has come a very, very long way. Now it doesn't seem like you're on skis when you're taxiing the plane around on the ground. Autopilot is almost completely functional. You can now start up the plane yourself as well. The instrument panel is now completely modeled. It's it's come a really, really long way and it is definitely a lot more polished than it was before. And this is what we're talking about a little bit this week. It has changed from being something that consumers were frustrated with and had so many comments on to being something that has addressed a lot of those concerns. 
in the beginning, a lot of the consumer comments that were made were directed towards those systems that I was speaking about that were missing. The plane operated really, really poorly on the ground. The plane felt too light on the ground. And the instrument panel was completely unmodeled. So even when they did add functionality to it, you could barely see what you were doing. You, you just had to read the, the manual and trust whatever switch that you were turning. Since then, the plane feels heavy on the ground. Like I had to actually use some thrust to get that thing moving. It operates really, really smoothly on the ground as well. It operates a lot better in the air. It used to feel like I was I was flying a, a glider of sorts. Yeah, but it, so it started out like an early access thing. Yeah. You could use the plane it, and it was to some extent enjoyable, definitely, but it did have some definite improvement points or something that had to be developed for it to be complete. Yeah, like like you said, you started in beta and... That's not just like a Concorde Yeah, thing. exactly. Early access stuff is... Uh, <clears throat> it's, it's pretty common. And as long as they are open and actually produce what they promise, then, uh, then, then all is good in my book. Yeah, I completely agree. Florian put it in bold and bunch of exclamation points that it was an early access product but still some people didn't understand that over time people started to understand and that's where the the product kind of transformed into where it is now where it is it has addressed all the concerns and comments that it had when it was a, still an early access product and has become something so much better and so much more complete because they've actually listened yeah, as a developer, I think you, you need to take that into account, uh, that you will have people who didn't expect uh, it to be this limited and didn't read about it. But I think maybe the the community will correct itself because people will start defending it and you will have people actually explaining stuff uh, for you in the community as long as you keep up the work and, and deliver over time. I think that will be, uh, it's not that often that we see early access stuff in Explain, as, as far as I know, that actually also then delivers. You have stuff that feels like right. early access and then <laughs> there is no further development. <laughs> that, I would consider that a scam, but um, well, everything should be reflected in the price. and. Uh, as far as I know, Kolimata hasn't charged anything for the further updates either. Their PR is very good. Yeah. And they listen to what people have said. So you develop X-Enviro. And X-Enviro was a focus of criticism, especially when it moved on to 3D Cloud and people considered it a ripoff. So what has it been like for you trying to address those consumer concerns and making your product better? Yeah, I knew this was coming. <laughs> Xenviro has been kind of controversial. There's no hiding in that. The problem for the development of Xenviro was that we always had this um, this goal of going to volumetric clouds, noise rendered volumetrics, and at some point we we tried to go over like have a transition period, so from 0.07 uh, to 0.08, we had the uh, the transition of uh, 2D billboard cloud textures and over to uh, 2D billboard noise rendered clouds, which was kind of a cool idea if it had worked. It was very performance heavy. We kind of stooped into a, 
a dead end uh, with uh, 0.09 in the end. That was the last one with uh, 2D billboards. We didn't think the development of the volumetric side of things would take that long because it was admittedly very long. Uh, it was over a year from 0.09 until uh, 1.1. And uh, yeah, it was it was a hassle trying to defend that. But of course, as part of the development team, I, I saw what was possible and I tried to show everyone along the way. And I think I did a decent job. In the whole year that we did not have any updates, I find it was kind of crucial to keep people in the loop uh, of where we were and where we were heading, what we achieved, what uh, difficulties we uh, uh, we met, so they didn't they weren't kept in the dark. You have developers that just go completely silent, and I think that's. I don't really think those should get as much flack as they do either because it, it takes a kind of a personality or at least a huge amount of energy to keep people up to date on stuff. So if you're a developer who's developing something that takes a lot of your time and you don't have the energy or the personality or whatever to to keep people in the loop all the time and don't have the money to have someone to do it for you, then I think um, uh, people should give some developers some slack for that. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? We can hop right into the interview here. Well, I live in Norway, um, work as an IT consultant at a company in Oslo. And um, I started flight simming with, what was it, FA-18 Interceptor on the Amiga. That's way back. That's like 89, mm-hmm. 90. I don't really remember when that came out. but um, uh, So I flew a lot around uh, San Francisco back then and shot down MiGs <laughs> on my Amiga. And then we had on my 486 computer that I got after that, I had Microsoft Flight Simulator. I don't even know which version it was. It was, I can remember it was um, just the 2D panel cockpit, uh, green field with a gray um tarmac and a mountain at the end and i struggled getting over that mountain every time so it was a lot of crashing and a lot of um yeah a lot of frames going slowly over the screen Uh, but yeah i've always been fond of aircraft loved flying so i lived in germany as a kid and flew um, a lot back and forth from norway and to Germany and in Germany we lived pretty close to American military base called Hahn. There I got to see F-14s and all of the cool jets when we went there for bowling and stuff. So yeah, I haven't been in the flight sim community at all until uh, I think it was 2016. So it's very recently, 15 or 16. So it's very recently that I came into the community and I joined this Facebook group called XPNG, 
X-Plane Next Generation and uh, I got fairly active there. And Peter Tram and uh, Jason Rowe were the administrators of that group. And I found that group to be a very, it suited me very well because it was, uh, it was very well moderated and people behaved. And if you asked questions, then people didn't answer Google it uh, or other stuff. So I got pretty active there and I wrote the um, beginner's guide for X-Plane. Uh, posted that in the org and uh, it became fairly popular. So, um, and then after a while, um, Peter and Jason asked me if I wanted to uh, to uh, become an admin in that group with them, and I said, "Yeah, I'm on there like <laughs> 24 hours a day anyway." So, um, so I joined them on that, and after I think it was after a year, we had been talking about the how we felt that was something lacking in the community with a new site that was giving reviews that were neutral, um, having snappy news and having a good design. Design is Peter's, uh, Peter's field and he's a genius at that. So we discussed all of these things that we felt were lacking and the idea of Threshold came, came to mind. So Peter and I founded Threshold at the beginning of 2018. So in February through 2018, we started the editorial. Yeah, it started with a kind of a naive, uh, but cool design from, from Peter. And it has, it has evolved since into something I, I really like. Uh, Peter's a genius in that area. I'm really, bad at remembering when people joined and I'm really bad at names. So if someone gets offended because I don't remember when they joined or their last name of something, then I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. <laughs> just, that's just me. I have too much stuff in my head. To, to finance the editorial, we were also thinking that we didn't want to have uh, ad space. We didn't want, we wanted it to be ad free. Um, so we um, we wanted to have a store that was kind of a very early thought as well to have a complete platform for people to uh, um, to spend time on and 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 use. So we started the store in March two thousand eighteen, and then we started the forum in August two thousand eighteen. So. Then we had the full platform, all three legs of, of Threshold. At the point where we started Threshold in 2018, I was without a job, so I had a lot of time on my hands. But then, as I started the forum in August, I got my full-time job here in Oslo. So since then, I've been kind of working non-stop. So, yeah, fun fact, I actually joined Xenviro in... April 2018, like full-time. I, I knew Andre and I knew the team from before that, but I led the beta team <laughs> from that point on, and I've done some other stuff as well within uh, Xenvaro since, uh, yeah, for over a year now. So that's kind of my story with how I got into this. You talked a little bit about Threshold's creation. Would you say the complete reason for you starting 
threshold because you saw a lack of news for X-Plane and you wanted to adjust that, right? Yeah, and also with the store, um, the store is pretty small still, but we're we're working hard on stuff behind the scenes to make uh, make it a lot easier for developers to uh, uh, to come in and control their uh, their products and sales uh, themselves. So that there's a lot coming, but one of that the editorial was one thing. The um, the uh, the store and selling high quality products for a reasonable price is another. So we always have um, uh, we always curate uh, everything that is in that we sell in the store. And with the forum, um, it could have more activity today. But it, the idea behind the forum as well is to to moderate it to but not in a sense that favors one part or the other, just moderating behavior alone. Yeah, I've, I've kind of seen the, the forum as primarily discussion rather than downloads. Like I have my, I have the in-flight feedback forum thread on there, and that's usually used for discussion. And some of the top threads are threads where people are just talking about great products or uh, talking about future products that they may like. Um, and well, obviously the top th threads are actually the, the 737-900 Ultimate and the 737-700 Ultimate. But besides that, I've I've noticed it's like very, very conversation-based. It's it's different than a lot of other forums that there are, that there are in the, the flight simulation community. Um, I know that in in some ways, your your goal isn't necessarily for it to be solely discussion based and for it also to have a lot of freeware downloads and stuff. But I have noticed that at least in the meantime, that's kind of what sets it apart from other communities. That might be, yeah. Uh, I haven't been overly active in the forum myself uh, for the the past month or two because i've had way too much other stuff on my mind but yeah that's that is definitely the idea behind it uh the idea of threshold in, in itself is definitely to have a, a complete platform and if anyone has suggestions or want to be a part of the, the development further off thresholds they're very welcome to uh to give their input um, I was kind of surprised that after I built the forum, um, that was like an intense four days where I had a lot of time on my hands before I started my day job, where I needed to just get the forum up and running. And it hasn't changed much in the structure wise uh, since then, but I would really like some feedback on, on how to make it better. And um, But people can discuss that in our discord for that matter we have a very good discord uh community as well which has grown surprisingly large as well so um and it's uh it's fairly active so we've kind of talked about these connections that threshold has both to the store the forum as well where we're able to uh, connect to our listeners and also connect to other developers as well. Um, if you're a part of the Threshold Discord, you'll know that we have a whole channel dedicated to people asking developers questions or developers being able to reach out to users and ask them questions. And it's a very open-ended communication 
some people may be wondering, do X and Viro and Threshold, like how, what is, in what way do they overlap? The whole cooperation with uh, Dark Space started back uh, in when I joined them. So Dark Space is to a very large uh, extent um, Andre, who is just uh, he's he's a complete genius. Uh, I feel like a little kid in a lab laboratory with uh, with my Duplo. Um, <laughs> my Duplo set in the corner and I'm just in awe of what he is creating. Dark Space owns Exenviro. Uh, Threshold sells Exenviro and helps Dark Space with the public side of things. That's that's kind of the um, the essence in in this uh, this cooperation. So it seems like throughout your career in the flight simulation community, you've kind of just jumped at things. It seems like it's very ex- instinctive for you to uh, have created Threshold and to also have just led the beta team of Dark Space. And I imagine that in some ways it is scary for you or just, just a lot to handle being thrown into something that you may not necessarily have complete experience in. How come you have this personality where you're able to like jump into things that you're not necessarily a hundred percent fluent in and then learn about it along the way. There are two things to this. Uh, The first thing is that you have to, um, you have to grab the opportunity when it's there. Uh, And you often, you don't see the opportunity uh, before it's there and you just have to grab it. And, also, sometimes you just act on stuff and you end up uh, on the other side of it. And what the hell have I just been through and where am I now? And only then you um, you get the sensation of, okay, I'm not qualified for this. Because that's the first part. The second part is you have to get people around you that are better at things than you are. So Threshold would not have been anything without all of the people who are uh, working within Threshold. Um, and I wanted, without <laughs> without forgetting anyone, I want to bring forward Sam and Alex. Those two have really brought the whole profile together with Peter, of course, brought the so Peter on the design thing design side of things Alex is very omniverse he's um, he's doing a lot of stuff but he's been a very large help in the editorial and carried the editorial together with Sam and Sam has built the editorial to what it is today um, there were um, people like, like Scott Havner before uh, before them who d- did kind of the same thing and, and carried threshold so I don't I don't want to sound like I'm forgetting people here, but these are the current really pillars of of Threshold. So I want to change gears a little bit and stop focusing on your work. People understand that you're a very busy guy, whether it's in the flight simulation community or if it's at your full-time job or if it's tending to your family. And I want to get to know you a little bit more. 
we both have cats. I have a calico and a tabby. Um, tell us a little bit more about your cats, uh, what their personalities are, why you love cats, because your profile picture is a cat. You have a whole pets channel and the Threshold Discord um, where you post some pictures of your cats a lot. So tell us a little bit more about that. <laughs> yeah, cats are cats are gods. That's just the way it is. They choose you, kind of. Um, so my first cat chose me 17 years ago. Um, so at that time, I was living with a couple of friends of mine uh, in a collective. And uh, we had this huge house. And... Um, my little sister's uh, friend, uh, friend of hers, she had kittens, and I heard that if nobody took over these kittens or any of them, then they would be put to sleep. And well, we were two, three guys living in a big house, and uh, we had room, so um, we took on board um, two kittens. So it was a brother and a sister. And um, so Nura Pelstotir, that's her name. That's a Norwegian name for Nura, fur daughter. <laughs> so that's kind of her name. Um, she's still alive. So she's still uh, walking around in, in this house. I've moved, oh, one, two, three, four, f four or five times since. So she's been around. Oh no, more! I've been I've moved six times since then. <laughs> I've I've moved around a lot. Um, luckily, I've been living here where I live now, just south of south of Oslo for uh, to be six years. That's good. And well, Nura's brother died, and then another cat came in. He just walked in through the door, uh, so. I've had I had two cats for a very long time. And at one point I moved to one of these times I moved to a cabin in the woods. Uh also on this half island south of Oslo called uh, Nesodden. And we've um I had a friend who had a cat living with him in an apartment in Oslo. And when they got when he got kids then um it was getting a bit cramped so he asked me if i could take over his cat so then i had three and then my my wife wanted a cat as well um that we had she wanted a kitten <laughs> and we found this beautiful norwegian forest cat she's actually a um, a mix between Norwegian and Siberian forest cat. So it's a small cat that looks like a Norwegian forest cat. And um, so then we had four. And then when we moved here, our neighbor had a Norwegian forest cat. And he became the boyfriend of our little cat. So they got a, they got two what you call it, call it, uh, they got two, um, well, two times four kittens. <laughs> so the first time around they got 
uh, four kittens and we, we, we sold two of them and the other two we gave to my sister. And um, then the next time around, we decided to keep one of them and that's Ule. So then we had five cats. <laughs> so we had a lot of cats. Ule is the one in my profile picture, by the way, with the captain's cat. So that's Captain Kitten in the, in the forum. You talk a little bit about your your moves. How is Oslo different from Germany? The difference between Norwegian people and German people is huge in the socializing arena. Norwegian people tend to stay at home. My wife, who is German, to come to Norway, it is, it's not been very easy to find friends. You have to have some social activities, specialized activities. Uh, uh, like joining some, I don't know, um, dance club, knitting club, uh, some sports activities or something to, to get to know Norwegians. Well, in, in Germany, there you, you have all of these uh, festivities all around the year where all the neighbors come out into the streets and everybody kind of gets to know each other. Um, I kind of like both <laughs> approaches. I like the socializing stuff, but I also, I'm, I am Norwegian. I like to, to stay at home as well and not have to go out. So wrapping it up here, do you have anything that you want our listeners to know or just the flight simulation community to know about what's happening for you uh, in these next few months or this next year? Oh, a lot is happening in the next years uh, or the next year. We have a whole new simulator for, for one. Um, um, we'll see what Threshold does about that. We have, like I said, we have some projects that I really can't reveal as of now that are coming in 2020. So I feel we are, we have, we have grown a lot the past, like since we started in February 2018. So the past almost two years, we've been gone from nothing and to being actually a recognized entity within the community. And I'm really humble uh, of all the positive feedback and all of the um, <laughs> that we're known at all. I think uh, I'm, I'm blown away, away by the, the numbers that, that come up uh, now and then. I don't know, really know what I did expect, but uh, so I, I don't really know what to expect either. Uh, kind of just going with the flow here and, and trying to still grab the opportunities that, that come. Podcast is a cool thing, though. That's new. I'll, I'll try to be on it as much as I can and, and, and co-host. We'll see if the other guys uh, will join in as well. Yeah. It's a new experience for all of us. <laughs> it sure is. Thank you so much, Magnus, for being on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Glad to be here. <laughs> it's a cool experience being on a podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of In Flight. As you may have guessed, Magnus is now the permanent co-host of In Flight. So you're going to be hearing from him a lot more as the weeks progress and the episodes progress as well. I hope you all have a great week. Till next time, this is Soul Out.